We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. All right, back here in Red Sox Review. Red Sox and Braves tied in their spring training opener down at uh, Cool Today Park in Florida. Um, you know, it's really ripping up the internet right now how that game ended. Going viral, which is what baseball should want, I guess. However, um, I still don't support the fact that the game did not feature the scenario that was about to unfold before the automatic strike three call. I don't support that. I think the pitch clock added something to the game, and I was in favor of it big time from the second I laid eyes on it. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it created a tempo for the baseball game that we've seen absent Major League Baseball games basically, I guess, since the olden days. I don't know. The old National League games when they were two hours and 30 minutes. That was, I think, adding value to Major League Baseball, what we saw today with the pitch clock. They just need to work out some kinks. And maybe... Maybe what we saw today, maybe it's just once guys get more used to it, none of this will happen. Like, once that happens a couple times, the batter, the pitcher, everybody will be more aware that that's a possibility and nobody will take the chance. You know, any old habits will die and they'll be able to get in the box and be ready for the pitch and we won't see a game end in that fashion. Um, as much as guys, you know, as much as it's, it's kind of getting all across the internet, I don't want to see 3-2, two, two outs, bases loaded, tie game wiped off the board because of a violation. That can't happen. That is not in the best interest of baseball. Hopefully guys adapt and they're able to move forward and we don't see that because overall the pitch clock was in a huge net positive. Huge. They just couldn't figure out how, I don't know, that guy getting the box on time or you got caught up in an old routine when at bat. Uh, went up at bat. So, big-time success, by and large, for the pitch clock. Tempo, timing, all that. End of the game, needs some work. The players would probably figure that out. But I do think Major League Baseball should explore a scenario where that does not come into play maybe in the ninth inning. Maybe in the ninth inning. Because, like I said, part of the fun of baseball and the anticipation that comes in big moments like that is the drama that builds before every pitch in a big spot. Now, I'm not saying you lose all that with the pitch clock and guys working a little faster, but in that spot, you want the pitcher to be at his best. You want the batter to be at his best. You don't want a pitch clock deciding the outcome of the game. I don't. I think you can keep that part of baseball, at least that part, intact. But everywhere else, the pitch clock, I thought, added more value than anything else. So I loved it. Okay. Um... 617-779-7937 if you want to chime in on that. Uh, but the Red Sox will not be the biggest story in Boston this spring. It will be the Celtics, and it will be the Boston Bruins. Okay? And I can't wait for the spring. Obviously, the weather is better, but the teams, and the way those two teams specifically have played this year, 
have risen the stakes so high. You know, it might be a spring unlike anything we've seen in a long time, if not forever, with how good the Bruins and Celtics, historically good, the Bruins and even the Celtics have been. And I'm going to pose a couple questions, and I'm going to answer a couple questions, but the first thing I want to say has to do with the Celtics. And I'm going to tell you this. One of two things are going to happen this spring. Either the Boston Celtics are going to win the NBA championship on the heels of great play from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and they're going to really show up in big spots and show out in big series and in big moments against the best teams and best players. Or the Celtics aren't going to win the championship because their best player, specifically Jason Tatum, is not able to get it done in those moments that are crucial down the stretch of big playoff games. And by and large, that's what we've seen in the regular season this year. Not all the time, but we have seen a more expansive sample size of Jason Tatum not getting it done in those big moments than I would like to see from a guy with that level of skill. And I've been saying this all year, that this has been my primary concern. All year. When the playoffs come, the games get bigger. The teams, you are going up against a team every night, Joe Missoula. Now, I don't think Joe Missoula, despite the fact that he's largely unproven in a playoff situation, is going to cost the Celtics a championship. I think he's a really good coach. I know he's inexperienced, but even that inexperience, I do not think will cost the Celtics a championship. I don't. What will cost the Celtics a championship is their best players not getting it done down the stretch of games. That's what's going to cost the Celtics a championship. I'm not saying that. I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying if they don't win it, that's what's going to be the problem. It will be that and probably that only. Um, For example, what I'm trying to say is I don't see a scenario where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown absolutely ball out in the playoffs. They're on fire. And the Celtics find a way to lose the championship. I don't see that scenario whatsoever playing out. With the roster they have, with the talent they have, with the experience they have, with the depth they have, if Tatum and Brown are at their best in the playoffs, this team will be world champions. The question is, will they slash can they be at their best at this point? I am on the record. I believe Jason Tatum will get there. He will get there. Is he there by April 15th? That's the question. Or by May 31st or by June 2nd? The 31st day, 31 days in May? I don't even remember. 30? By the end of May or by June 2nd? That's what I'm wondering. Eastern Conference Finals. NBA Finals. Okay? It's a thing. And if you don't think Tatum and Brown's performance at the end of games isn't a thing, that's on you because it is. Now, Jason Tatum is an excellent player, okay, but I need him better at the end of games. And we saw it again in Indiana. Now he has a chance tonight to redeem himself. He called himself out after the game in Indiana, saying that he wasn't recovered from All-Star Weekend, whatever that means. Whatever, that's fine. I get it. Go to All-Star Weekend. Have a good day. You want MVP? Have a, have a ball. But here we go again. 
Okay, because down the stretch of that game against the Pacers, I'm going to read you some of the plays that unfolded from, I don't know, the four-minute mark on because it wasn't good and it wasn't a good look for the two best players on the Celtics. Okay? Jalen Brown with 3.55 to go made two free throws, gave the Celtics a one-point lead. Okay? Then it starts. 2.40 to go. Celtics up four. Jason Tatum misses a two-point shot. Okay? 2.02 to go. 124-123. Jalen Brown gets three free throws. Makes one of three. One of three. When Jalen Brown takes free throws late in games, late in the fourth quarter, his percentage plummets. That's not an opinion. That's what happens. He's not as good taking or making free throws or taking free throws late in games. How's that going to translate to the big moments in the playoffs? Okay? And he's the number two guy on the Celtics. So that's number one. So Brown makes one of three free throws with 202 to go. Celtics up, then two. Okay, then with 122 to go, Jason Tatum misses two-point shot. Okay, then Jalen Brown gets an offensive rebound, misses a shot. Then with 52 seconds to go, tie game. Jason Tatum, bad pass, turnover. Jalen Brown then, 22 seconds to go, tie game, turnover. Pacers have a chance to win it. Good defense, Marcus Smart. It goes to overtime. Then in overtime, Jason Tatum certainly doesn't blow up. He doesn't take over the game. No, he does make a basket, though, with under 10 seconds to go or whatever it was, very little time left, to give the Celtics a four-point lead. Give him credit there. But the problem was the play before that that he tried to make, that was a shot where he got a good look, I think, at a three and basically airballed it. Or maybe it grazed the rim, barely. Horrible shot with a decent look. Once again, and you were up to. Just another example of at the end of the game, the best, easily the best player on the floor, and I know Halliburton's a really good player, but Tatum's the best player on the floor there. Not even close to executing like the best player on the floor there. That's another example. And if the Celtics don't win the championship, it's going to be moments like that. Brown missing free throws late, turning it over late, Tatum turning it over late, Tatum not making shots late. I don't want to be negative, but that's the reality of the Boston Celtics this year. We have seen that too often from a guy with Jason Tatum's skill. That's fact. I hope it doesn't come down to that where that's what we're talking about come June. But if the Celtics don't win a championship, that will be the reason why. It is not going to be because the bench didn't come through or Joe Missoula didn't call enough timeouts when they were getting, you know, and guys when teams were making runs on the Celtics or even Joe Missoula getting out coached flat out in a seven-game series. None of that will matter. Tatum has the talent to overcome any of those deficiencies. So does Jalen Brown. If the Celtics don't win, it's going to be because those two guys don't get it done. And more often than not, in late-game situations this year, I've seen poor execution, and I've seen shaky play. Now, we have seen instances where other guys make big shots late in games, and the Celtics are in great position to do that. How many times did Michael Jordan rely on uh, John Paxson or Steve Kerr? Or remember in 2010, we all remember the Ron Artest three 
the, the miracle shot he made that sunk the Celtics. So it's not like other guys can't make big plays at the end of big moments in playoff games. They can. But it's going to be Tatum. It's going to be Brown. It's going to be situations where you need your best players to make a play. I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying that's my biggest concern come playoff time. If they can do that, the Celtics will win the championship. If they come back down to earth and Tatum and Brown are the fourth and fifth or third and fourth best players down the stretch of big games, then that's a different story and it'll be a toss-up. And anything can happen at that point. So I hope it doesn't come down to that. So which team has a better chance of converting this spring? It's the Bruins. It's the Bruins. Okay? The Bruins have dominated to the level that we haven't seen in years in the NHL this season. They're an absolute wagon. And the Eastern Conference, although there are some teams that could give them problems, I know Carolina's not that far behind. They've had issues. They lost to Carolina in the playoffs last year. Um, They've had issues in other situations when they've had a really good record. But I cannot go against the Boston Bruins and what they've put on the table this year if you're asking me which team has the better chance of winning it all. I understand the NHL is more predictable in the playoffs, but the Bruins are the team that should win the championship and based have won the championship, and more on that in a moment. Uh, so they've been there, not everybody obviously, but a core of them have been there and done that. The leadership. They've been there. They've done that. Marchand, Bergeron, Krejci know what it takes. If you had one guy, it wouldn't matter as much. When you have three and they're still as integral a part of the roster and the team as they are, it's still that matters. That's wisdom they can impart. Okay, so the Bruins have the better chance. But they are, they're the team that I don't believe is under the most pressure to do it. I think the most pressure is on the Celtics. Why? Because they have the two guys. They have the two guys that have to find a way to get over this hump that hasn't allowed them to get to the level that they want to get to. Now, I understand that the Celtics are going to have more cracks at it and that they're younger. Those guys are younger. But I think to to a point, the Bruins have already established what they are. The Celtics are still trying to establish that for themselves. Jason Tatum is still trying to establish what he is in the NBA. And obviously, after some of the seasons they put together, winning the championship is the final piece. I need to see them do that, and I think that's what Boston wants to see. And I think if they don't do that, we will see a resurgence of conversations. Conversations that shouldn't be had, but those conversations will happen. Those questions will be asked. And you want to know why those questions will be asked? Because I'm not sure if the Celtics aren't able to get it done. Where you go? Other than just being patient and waiting for Jason Tatum to come around and to figure it out. I don't know where you go. And what I mean is I don't know how the the Celtics find a better supporting cast for a guy like Jason Tatum than he has this year. I don't know how you do that. He has a 
legitimate Robin by his side, a 1A player, an all-star caliber player who could do a lot of different things, a lot of the key things that need to be done in today's NBA by a superstar in order to bring you to a championship or playoff series win or whatever you're looking to do. You have an elite supporting cast, depth coming out of your ears, shooting, leadership, maturity, defense, health to this point. We'll see where we are in a month and a half. You have everything that you could ask for. You know, I guess the one thing that the Celtics don't have is a super team. It's not like they have four Hall of Famers on the team. It, you know, not at this juncture at least. Um, but as we've seen, that's an unrealistic expectation to think that the Celtics are going to go out, put that together, and just snap their fingers and win a championship. That's not going to happen. They need to win it in the, in the way that they're trying to win it right now with their foundational core guys that they've drafted and building around them with smart, shrewd moves and having depth and quality defense. That's how they're going to have to win it. They're not going to find... It is going to be very difficult for them to find a better situation than the one they're currently in. If they don't win, and if it's because Tatum comes up small, I think really their only option is to just wait him out. You're not going to get rid of him. I don't want to trade him. I don't want to trade Jalen Brown. You just have to wait it out. They have to win this year. The The noise will get louder if they don't win. The questions will continue to be asked if they don't win. There is that whole thing in the NBA where guys demand trades and move teams and, you know, all the things we've seen in the last decade or so. That will still be out there. And you will have followed up a finals disaster, really, last year. With, I don't know if I'll call it a disaster. We'll wait and see. But if you have the season that you've had, you make it to the number one seed, you get close and find a way to choke it away again, that noise is only going to blow in your face even louder. And I don't think the Celtics or Jason Tatum, I mean, I don't think, I know they don't want to hear that. That is not a scenario that this city wants to see unfold. And as a result, I think the Celtics are under more pressure, even though they have more time to win. The Bruins, I think people appreciate their run. And that might be a separate problem that we'll get to in a few minutes. But the Bruins, they've kind of established what they are. They've won a cup. They've been there. They, you know, they've had a great run. The Celtics haven't gotten it done. They've been frustrating along the way. They've had chances. They haven't done it. People are impatient. I think they're under more pressure. Um, but should they be? Should they be under more pressure than the Boston Bruins? I'm going to answer that next. I'm going to tell you why I feel the way I feel. I'm Mark Dundo. This is WEI. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Everything Boston Red Sox. This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. Hey, yo, I'm going to be a tit out. 
That's how my eyes can see. Victory is mine. All right, back here on Red Sox Review. Mark Dundara with you. Following a 6-6 tie. Down at uh, Cool Today Park. Red Sox, Braves. Red Sox blew a 6-3 lead in the ninth. Ended up getting the tie thanks in large part to the pitch clock, which I love the pitch clock. Um, I loved it. It created chaos at the end of the game that I honestly wish didn't happen. 617-779-7937. We were talking about the Celtics. We're talking about the pitch clock. We're talking about the Red Sox. Um, you know, I just I just don't like the baseball game to be robbed of a 3-2-2 out bases loaded tie game situation. I mean, I just don't. Like, that's what I want to see play out. Um... I think the pitch clock, by and large, would be a good thing for baseball. It created a tempo that I haven't seen in Major League Baseball my whole life, really. And um, I think people and players will figure out what's going on with this pitch clock. I, I don't know if they're going to – is there a rule in place about the playoffs? I don't know if they'll keep this going on for the playoffs. I, I can't imagine any scenario where you allow a playoff game to end like that, um, a big playoff game. I mean, that's where the moment in baseball – is on the biggest stage where you have these tense pressure packed situations that you don't mind, you know, letting the drama build a little bit with, with guys taking their time and being completely ready to go. So that's what I would say in terms of the pitch clock in the, in the postseason against the pitch clock in the regular season. I think it matters um, a little bit more in terms of giving guys the space to be at their best in those moments and letting the drama build. But by and large, that's a net positive. It moved the game along. I just don't think you want the game to end like that, where the best play in ba- one of the best moments, situations in baseball is getting negated. Especially when there's an optic that the batter and pitcher didn't really know who was at fault. Make the batter still be responsible for seeing the pitch. In other words, if the pitcher is adhering to the pitch clock, let him throw the pitch, and if the batter isn't ready and he gets lucky and it's a ball, fine. The pitch has to come in, even if the batter's not ready. Even if you keep the rule the way it is and the game could possibly end, if the pitcher violates the pitch clock and they they give a, they add a ball to the count and that's ball four and the winning run walks in, well, at least it's the pitcher. And you've, you've mitigated or you've lessened the scenario or the chances that that pitch clock rule was going to end the game. I, I just wouldn't do that. I wouldn't give it. You shouldn't have a situation where one of the most exciting plays in the game is wiped off. You just can't do that. Not in the late innings, not in the ninth inning, and I don't think that will be a problem overall in Major League Baseball. The other thing I thought about during this game is my overall malaise for spring training. As much as I like the feel of spring training and spring is good, baseball season's coming, and it's nice to see the baseball games being played, and we talked to High and Bloom on the Bradfo show on Monday, and I asked him about this. You know, the the real meaning of spring training, and if some of these younger guys specifically could break through in spring training, and he made a good point. You know, he talked about if they were going to really break through, that needs to happen over the course of many, many months in a season, 
not just in a spring training situation. That's for training. That's for getting ready. That's for getting prepared for the regular season, no matter what level you're on. But it takes away from some of the excitement that I'm looking for. And maybe that's just baseball. But I didn't really enjoy seeing all these no-names out there that aren't going to come close to the major leagues in a spring training game today. I just didn't. I want to see the guys that actually have a chance to play at the major league level. Okay, and I just don't like how baseball does it anyway. You know, I wish that baseball, at least some of their top prospects, like you know who you're going to get when you bring in a veteran player to play on your team. You know what you're going to get. You know what that guy's all about. You know what kind of player he is. God knows you've looked over the analytics and every statistical uh, category associated with this guy's production. What you don't know, though, is how some of the younger guys are going to perform. And in the case of the Boston Red Sox, based on what they need this year, I don't know why they wouldn't be a little bit more interested in bringing some of those those guys up. I know baseball tells you otherwise. That's not what you do. Marcelo Meyer, he's a year and a half away. You can't bring him up yet, but why not? What if he has a good spring? What if he is productive? You don't know what he's going to be at the major league level. I wish some of these guys would get a chance earlier to show what they can do. And I don't want to hear about the arbitration, whatever. Like, I don't want to, I don't care. I want to see some talent take the major league field at Fenway Park and get excited about some of the players on the roster. That's what I want to see. You know, I know what Kike Hernandez is, and I like Kike Hernandez. But some of the moves that they've made the past few years, Travis Shaw and some of these veteran, I mean, even some of the veteran pitchers, Corey Kluber, like we know what those guys are at this point. Yeah, they're major league players, but I want to see what some of these guys are able to do. So if you have a guy that pops in a spring training situation, ride it. You can always send them back down. It's not going to ruin them. This isn't Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Ride that guy, send him back down if you have to. Otherwise, find out what he is. Not only could he help the product on the field and help you win games, but you might have you might find some box office appeal. A young up-and-coming star in the works that's helping you win games at 19, 20. Now I know not everybody's Devers. But I'd rather have that guy in there trying to figure it out than, you know, Eric Hosmer last year. A, a broken down player that's way beyond his prime. I want to see some of the young guys play, and I wish spring training was more of a form for that, but it's not. It's just not. It's training. It's getting ready for the season. So the Red Sox, you know, I'm not as down on on the Red Sox as a lot of people are. I I think they're going to be okay. I don't think they're going to be terrible. But I'd be more interested if they had some of these young guys that I see on the internet, their cards are skyrocketing the prices. Why can't they get a crack at the major league level and just see what they can do? It's not like it's unprecedented that a kid who's 20 can come in and produce. I mean, especially if you don't have a better option at that spot. Some of these veterans, you know what they are. Bring up the kid that you don't know what he is and give him a legitimate chance to thrive, and to find his way. He might be better than you think. And I think that's more of a baseball problem than a Red Sox problem. So I'm not, you know, hammering the Red Sox on this. I just wish in baseball they allowed for that more. Bring a guy up, bring him in, 
and let him get, throw him right into the fire and see what you got. Especially when you're a team like the Boston Red Sox that doesn't have a lot of A, star power, B, overall talent, and C, box office appeal. Now, how exciting you might be perceived as is different if you're winning games. The excitement, the um, a hype around your team will obviously grow organically. But I don't know if there's a guy out there that is really, um, if he has a chance to be the next big thing and you think he might be able to help you sooner rather than later, I don't know, get him up there. Maybe he's so young he doesn't know what he doesn't know and he plays better than you think. And as a result, a lot of people are excited. You might have a young star, a new young star in your hands that people can go to the ballpark and watch, tune in and watch, help you win, change the dynamic or the rhetoric surrounding your team. And, oh, yeah, high and bloom. Show everybody why the Red Sox brought you in. I've been a high and bloom guy. I still believe in his process. I'm patient. But it certainly wouldn't hurt his cause if one of the guys that he either brought in or signed or whatever is able to come up and make an impact as a youngster. That's all that is what I want to see. That's what I'm looking for, and that's what the Red Sox could do. Um, Okay, when we get back, I want to go back to the conversation we were having. The Bruins, the Celtics. And the Bruins, to me, have the highest stakes this spring. The highest stakes in a long time in this town. And I'm going to explain why. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. I'm Mark Dundere with you on WEI. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 